Hello everyone, um, this is Kyle from the future. I've been just, um, playing around and editing older, um, that awkward period where I was computerless and trying out new things with the podcast, um, and it hit me that I could take the video vlog that I made of the, uh, 2019 um, spring musical or New York trip that I did that served as my Tony Predictions Spectacular episode, um, the part two of that kind of duo, and, um, so I'm just retinkering it because the video is hideous of me, and the sound is pretty bad as well, so, um, yeah, enjoy this new version if you for some reason, care. And please excuse all the bad clinks and clanks and sound issues and um, references to images that you can no longer see, because I'm probably going to take the YouTube video down. Hello everybody, welcome to a very special episode of Movie Musical memories, which I'm doing on the webcam. I'm doing this on my iPad because my computer is still broken, and I uh, tried to do the podcast through my iPad on GarageBand, but it does not let you record that much. This is very awkward, and it's not letting me do this sideways. If I do it far enough back, maybe. I apologize if this is all out of frame. We're gonna try to do this little rogue. Um, anyways, so I recorded the, um, podcast for the Toadies Predictions, and, um, never got to post it because didn't know how to do that, and apparently to do it on SoundCloud on the app you have to pay, so there's a lost episode out there of the Toady Predictions. That's okay, because I didn't do that great anyways. So, today, with mere hours until the Tony Awards, I'm gonna try to do this through YouTube with my gross hair. I just came through a little sprinkle. Um, was at work at the Kennedy Center today. They're doing Hello Dolly, which won the Tony Award two years ago, which is crazy that it's been two years since that. Um, so, I also want to talk about my trip to New York that I took last week. Um, last year I did it a couple weeks after the Tony Awards. This year I decided to go beforehand, mostly because I wanted to catch Network before it closed, which it closed last night, so. And I didn't want to go Tony's week, because that just seemed too hectic. Um, so we're going to talk about the awards coming up tonight, and then a little bit about my trip. Um, might as well get my trip out of the way first. Um, in tradition of the past few years, um, we would have a party at the Tony Award for a party at the Tony Awards, uh, a party at Maria, 
uh, at Sassmaster Maria, the artist formerly known as at Sassmaster Maria, I should say. Um, but she is out of town this weekend for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so it was a good three-year run. We started with the Hamilton year. We did the, uh, we expanded, we went, we moved upstairs for the Dear Evan Hansen year, and then we even had some more people for the band's visit year last year, so no fun prizes or ballads, we don't know who's going to be the reigning champ of the Tony predictions game, I should probably send Chloe a ballad just to see how well she does, anyways, um, so I'm going to do this alone. I apologize, I'm very bad at where to look when it comes to iPad photos, this is why I hate taking selfies, and I will always ask somebody to take a photo of me with a celebrity, because, like, I do not know where to look when it comes to these things. Um, anyways, I feel like, uh, is her name Kayla? I can't remember now. The girl from 8th grade, Elsie Fisher's character. Gucci! And that's not even, what is it? Gucci? Gucci. Anyways, um, anyways, per, per tradition of the last few years, first year, I had a Spring Awakening shirt, but they were closing in a week, so they did not have my size, so I bought a shirt that did not fit, so I just kind of hung it up on me, um, and then Maria's mother washed it for some reason. I don't know, I've never worn that shirt. Anyways, and then, um, the following year, uh, I had, I wore my cat shirt because, uh, the only two shows I'd seen that season were the two that did not get nominated, and I wore a shirt that said cats, and then put some tape that says, or was Rob, my Oklahoma poster just fell down. I'm just gonna put it here. I'm glad you're all enjoying my thigh at the moment, if you could see that. I don't know if you can even see the poster in the first place. Anyways, um, what was I mentioning? Uh, oh, shirts. So I wore a cat shirt that said Cats Was Robbed, Tony's 2017. And then the Cats page, Twitter page, was very appreciative of that shirt. And then last year I wore my Spongebob shirt. Uh, because I'm still bitter that that show only walked away with one Tony Award even though it was a very deserving Tony Award. So this year, um, I saw mostly plays this season because that's how the cookie crumbled this year. I do have a Beetlejuice shirt, but it's the DC one. And then I... And I think that's not only it, because Waverly Gallery did not have any merchandise nor did King Lear or Gary. Gary's the one I'm most upset that did not have any merchandise, because I would have wore the hell out of a Gary shirt. Um, and then I did not buy an Oklahoma shirt, because I was literally dollars away from being bankrupt when I went to see Oklahoma. Um, so I would not have been able to afford this beautiful poster. I'm going to just bring it in and try not see it. I don't even know. This thing is, like, flipped, so... This is the Oklahoma poster, signed by most of the cast, not Allie Stroker. Um, and there were a couple other people I don't think that came out, but I got the main leads. Um, Mary Testa, the wonderful Mary Testa. Anyways, um, 
So what I was getting at is I'm wearing my Torch Song shirt, which um, surprisingly, I was very surprised, managed to get a Tony nomination for Best Revival after not a lukewarm response. It was a very well-received, like, reviewed show, but for some reason it just really fizzled at the box office. I guess everybody who wanted to see it saw it off-Broadway the year before, so it did close a few weeks or a month earlier than it was supposed to. So I thought it was going to not be remembered, but thankfully it got nominated for two awards for Revival and for the costumes. Would have loved if Michael Urey and Mercedes Rule got nominated too, but it's always a burden when it comes to being a show that has been closed for a while. So I'm wearing my Torch Song shirt in spirit. Um, I did not get a Boys in the Band shirt because I did not like their shirt designs. It was the Mary shirts. I, I don't know. I'm like, I just wanted a one that said the Boys in the Band, honestly. It would have been nice if they had the one with all their faces on it. That was the big promo shot for that. Um, and then of the shows, so I did not get an Oklahoma shirt. Um, I did not, I was considering getting a share show shirt after I got paid on Friday and I decided not to because I like the show I didn't love the show so a magnet my when in doubt I always like to get a magnet at the very least from every show that I see I'm actually looking at my magnet display thing at the moment this is the Beetlejuice one um, because I do not have my own fridge so I just keep them on this Star Wars tin bucket that I have um, so, if a show is happening, I at least get a magnet. The Oklahoma, though, their magnets were all sold out. And they had not given their merchandise to anybody yet. So, um, I could not get an Oklahoma magnet. So, that's why I got a poster. Um, and then Network did have a shirt. But I wanted a shirt that said Mad as Hell. And I'm not going to take it anymore. They just had mugs with it. And I don't drink coffee, so... Anyways, um, so Torch Song, that's what I'm supporting tonight, even though I would love for Waverly Gallery or Boys in the Band to win Revival. That is a category where you can't go wrong with either of those choices. Um, so, the rest of my trip. So, let's start off, since this is now a visual medium, with... Where is... Okay, so I did a Wednesday to Saturday trip this year, so I'm going to start with this share show, hopefully that's in frame. Um, share show is nominated for Best Actress for Stephanie J. Block, Best Lighting Design, and Best Costume Design. Those are the three awards that it does deserve, and I think the only ones it did deserve. I would have added in the Kayla Diamond if there was room, but... I think the two Oklahoma girls are very well deserved, and without even seeing Hades Town, Amber Gray seems very uh, worthy of that. And even without seeing Tootsie, I'm very happy. Lily Cooper got a Tony nomination after I would have loved if she got one for SpongeBob, but it was also a very tight year last year. And then I hear Stephanie Styles was very good. Um, so the Cher show um, is what it says on the poster. It's about Cher. And it's about um, Cher as a young woman, played by Michaela Diamond. She plays Baby? 
of Babe, because of I Got You, Babe. Um, and then you got Teal Wicks as Lady. She's the, like, middle ground era um, share. And then Stephanie J. Plock plays Star, which is the, I want to say, 40s to... She plays her, like, 30, late 30s to kind of 50s range. I don't even know where they actually technical I think they stop with believe like in the chronology in the actual show so Cher just turned 73 74 or something like that so yeah probably her late 50s early 60s range even though Stephanie J Block is nowhere near that age yet um I really like Jared Spector as uh, Sonny Bono uh, I got you, babe, brought the house down. I just, that, like, I teared up because it was really beautiful. Um, and then, of course, the opening is If I Could Turn Back Time. Um, Gypsies, Tramps, and Bees is good. And then um, their little Believe Ballad. They did a similar one to when um, Adam Lambert performed at the Kennedy Center Honors for Cher. And then I really liked the finale where they kind of mashed up some of her later songs like Woman's World, um, and then, um, Stephanie J. Block's big 11 o'clock number is surprisingly the, um, Golden Globe winning song from Burlesque, You Haven't Seen the Last of Me. Um, the Bob Mackie costumes were great, but this is a whole thing people are thinking about when it comes to giving Bob Mackie the Tony Award for this, is like, he's... He just recreated his own famous designs. Is that really original? But the thing is, they look spot on to what he created. So I'm not. Nobody's going to be mad that that um, Bob Mackie won the award for this. Um, I do think this is kind of a like when I was sitting there and thinking because Stephanie J. Block is a lot of people's um, front runner for best actress. I'm still a little hesitant, even though, like, I feel like I'm a fool at this point for not doing it. Um, that I was sitting there and I'm like, is this really a Tony Award-winning Best Actress performance? Because she's great in the role. She's vocally doing it amazing. She's hilarious. She's very passionate. And she even brings you a tear and stuff. But I don't know. Like, compared to some of the big hitters that have won the past few years, like, compared to, like, something like Katrina Link last year, it's like any of the women who were nominated last year would have easily won this year. Like, that's how, like, of a whimper it would be if Stephanie J. Block won for this. Um, it's just, I don't know, we've had a great string of best actress in a musical, um, the past, I want to say since 2016, like, they've all been really, really strong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a mix of... There weren't that many great women-led shows this season on the musical side, and also there wasn't just a lot of musicals in general. Um, I personally would have liked, and we'll get into it a little bit later, Rebecca Naomi Jones to be in there for Oklahoma, but um, I also have not seen The Prom, but people love the prom. People love the two girls from the prom. Um, people love Eva, no Eva Noble Zeta for um, Hades Town. And she's already a nominee for Miss Saigon a few years ago. 
And then Kelly O'Hara, I think she's kind of there because she's Kelly O'Hara at this point. Um, anything else? My biggest issues with the Cher show are just, it, it's the bio-musical trap where it's just kind of, and then we did this thing, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, it was good when, like, all three of the shares were talking to each other, and it's kind of a, like a graveling of going, looking back at your life and talking to the older you and the younger you. But, I don't know, it all kind of felt a little tacky. Not tacky-tacky, but, you know, it's not what musical theater's all about. Um, and, well, it was funny because a few days later, I went to go see Rocket Man in New York at the Lincoln Square um, AMC, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, this is the exact same format as the Cher show, where he, it's three ages of Elton John, except Darren Edgerton is mostly Elton John in this movie. The two kids are kind of in it for two seconds each, but there's a scene where he's talking to both of them in a, um, whatever, one of those, um, um, rehab centers, and then, um, uh, what was I going to say? And then they also structure it like the share show, where it's not like Jersey Boys, where it's like, and then we had this hit, and then they performed the song. It's, they use the musicals, uh, use the songs to tell a story of the lives. I personally like that more when it's like Mamma Mia, where... You create a story and characters out of that and not telling the person's lives over. And that's the whole thing. This is like the whole idea of doing the Disney remakes, live action remakes. Is like you're remaking the movies based off of a, the wrong, like, wrong thing that people went out to see that first movie that brought this all in. Because when Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars... People would see it, one, because it was Tim Burton, and two, because it wasn't just a remake of Alice in Wonderland. It was more of a sequel than anything else. And now we're, like, just doing, like, script by script, like, identical showings with, like, an added song for an Oscar nomination. That never happens. Um, and with this, sh with Mamma Mia's big success, people were like, oh, people like hearing music that they're already familiar with, we're just going to make bio-musicals. And I mean, Jersey Boys is kind of more of the thing to blame for that success pattern, but I don't know, it feels like now it's just every show is like that, because we've got a Tina Turner musical coming out, you still got Beautiful Running, you got the Temptations musical right now, I don't know. Anyways, I mean, if you like Cher, you'll enjoy this. Um... And don't see a Wednesday matinee of this show, because all the old ladies could not turn off their phones. Okay, so the next show I saw was my last purchase. Uh, I decided, because I found a cheap ticket for it, and the more and more I heard about it, I was more intrigued by it. So, that show was Oklahoma. Now, this is a show that I have reviewed on the podcast, the movie version, and I made clear that for the longest time, I would try to watch the first ten minutes of that movie, and I hated it so much that I would turn it off. And then because of the podcast, I sat through the whole thing, and I was very charmed by it. 
Um, this one does not have the charm of the movie. Um, this one is more of a darker look at Oklahoma. It's, and it's not that they've changed much from the actual script. It's just a kind of, it's more of a bare bones version of Oklahoma. It's kind of like the underlying kind of dread of Oklahoma. There are many times in the show, and it's going to sound weird, that this production felt like it was directed by David Lynch. Like, it's that weird. And like, it's not that it's weird, weird out of this world, but it's very, like, I don't know. There, I mean, the Dream Ballet is just a David Lynch creation in general. Like, it is mesmerizing as confusing at the same time. Um, but you can't look away from it. There's fog, there's a girl wearing a shirt that says Dream Baby Dream, and she's the Dream Ballet in it. But there's this moment where they turn off all the lights. Because they start off the show with all the lights on. And it's really cool because you're kind of in it. Everybody's in it. But also, you can watch people leaving the show because this ain't your mama's Oklahoma. Um, so all these old people who are like, this is not Oklahoma as I thought it would be. Which, I mean, I would not pay money. I mean, might, but I wouldn't pay the amount of money that I spent on this ticket for a traditional Oklahoma. Um, and, um, yeah, so then you have, like, a scene where, um, like, the first time where the lights kind of change... I forget if it was the green or the orange light, but there's both that use it, where they kind of just, they turn all the lights into one color. And it's like kind of a, it's not a dream, but it's kind of like a, this is a moment between Curly and, um, I keep forgetting, Lori, um, during the, um, song, um, People may say we're in love. Is that the song title? What I've noticed from these musical um, programs now is that they do not include the songs, which is very frustrating. I think it's this. The song is called "People May Say We're in Love." You know, if you know Oklahoma, and um, so um, they bring it down and kind of make it more of kind of a. This is a moment between these two. Because in the first act, all the characters, except for the dream ballet girl, she's only in that scene, um, stay on stage. They are all sitting with... Because they also have um, audience members who can sit on stage. This is in, circle, in the square, by the way, so it's in the round. Um, so it's very an immersive theater. So um, they are all kind of sitting back-facing the... Um, other people at the table, but, um, this is kind of a moment where it's supposed to be just between these two, so they kind of turn down the lights like that, but it's very, like, almost unsettling the way, like, the, the tint of the color is, um, and then there's a scene where they turn all the lights off, like, I'm telling you, every single one, and, um, other than, like, a couple of, okay, this trip has made me, and the past couple movies I've seen, have brought me to a new enemy. And that is Apple Watches. Because they don't, nobody turns them off. 
and you flinch your arm once and it just turns on without somebody realizing and like I think maybe once or twice during these blackout scenes I saw maybe one go off and it's not that it's a big light that it's distracting but it's when you're in pitch black you're just like hello um so that is my new public enemy when it comes to seeing anything in theater related um but you the first time, I think we were all kind of good about that. But you're just kind of sitting there, and you're hearing just... It's between um, Curly and... Um, sorry, I need to check these names. Oh, what's his name? Um, Will. Will Parker. Is that... No. Who's Patrick Bale? Judd. Judd. Judd, Judd, Judd. Poor Judd. Um, there's a scene between Curly and Judd, the first time Judd kind of talks, where... They're, like, in this pitch black, and then you see, at one point you see the screen on the back wall, and it's just, like, the, um, I forget what it's called, but it's that light where it's kind of, like, black and white, and info something. It's, like, that scene in The Silence of the Lambs when the lights go off, and you're in Buffalo Bill's point of view, and he's, like, going to grab Jodie Foster. I forget what that's called. Info something. Anyways, um... So you're kind of there, and it's just kind of unsettling, like, the way it's filmed, because it's in the dark, and, I don't know, the whole thing kind of reminded me, it was like, I would like to see David Lynch make this into a movie, like, this specific take on Oklahoma, I think he would make a great production, but there's even, there's just this sense, there's guns all on the walls, and there's a scene where, like, something happens where, like, the entire ensemble goes to grab one, and it's just this sense of, like, danger at all times, like the Wild West, and it's really good, but it's also really funny, because Ali Stroker, who I mentioned before, is hilarious in it, um, she plays Ado Annie, and if you don't know who Ali Stroker is, um, she was one of the runner-ups on season two of The Glee Project, um, and she got, like, one or two episodes on the main show of Glee, and then she went right from that to doing the Death West revival of Spring Awakening, um, where she made Broadway history as the first actress in a wheelchair to ever be on Broadway, and then, of course, when she, and I think the year after, there was somebody who did that in The Glass Menagerie, and then, of course, with this performance, she got a Tony nomination, so she is the first act, handy, well, actress in a wheelchair to get a Tony nomination, and possibly a win. We'll get to that later. Um, and she is so good in this. She's just Her voice is so electrifying, and um, it's just so... like It is an awesome performance, and it's one of those things where... If, and I'm predicting she will win, it's for the performance, and it's also for representation, but most importantly, it's for the performance, because she is so good in this, and um, she's, she's electrifying, and she has this, like, sense of, um, what's the word just like the spunk to her like this really sh confidence this confidence in her when she sings I can't say no because like a lot of people write Ado, Ado Annie off as kind of like a 
she's a freewheeling girl, but, like, she's just, like, she will go up to somebody else's boyfriend and just make out with them in front of the her, her boyfriend. And it's just, like, and nobody says anything otherwise because nobody wants to mess with Ado Annie. Um, Mary Testa is also delightful in this. She plays Aunt Eller, um, but she also... I think why she gets the Tony nomination because the character does not have that many like big solo moments. She has this really bombastic booming voice, which is great. But during the like courtroom scene, I think she handles that very well. And then I have to talk about Curly. Damon Duano is one of the most beautiful voices I've heard live in a Broadway theater. I mean, like, other than seeing Cynthia Rebo at the Kennedy Center a few years ago, or not a few years ago, a few months ago, um, like, his voice, you just kind of would have bathed in his voice because it's just so swoon-worthy and beautiful. Like, the vocals are just incredible. Uh, the only song that has come out from the um, soundtrack so far, the cast recording, is the titular song of Oklahoma, which you do get to hear a couple of those moments from him, but I keep watching the Broadway.com preview video of the show for his rendition of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, because it's just gorgeous. And then people won't say we're love. Um, people will say we're I don't know what I'm saying. It's just such incredible voice and I found out because I kind of went down a Hades town wormhole after this trip um, because they had this performance on CBS this morning that went up while I was in New York of the song wait for me wait for me which I think this is the re the reprise reprise whatever you want to call it um, where it's kind of more centered evil no even noble Zeta gets the big kind of um, Whatever, the solo, and I've been really obsessed with that. And of course, that is not the version of the song that they've so far released. It's just the Reeve Carney version. But off-Broadway, a few years ago when the show was trying out, the Reeve Carney role was played by David Duano, and I've been listening to a little bit of his rendition of Wait For Me, and of course it sounds amazing. I cannot wait for whatever he wants to do. I'm there because he is just so good. Um, and then I seen I saw Rebecca Naomi Jones at Hedwig. She was Yitzhak when um, Darren Criss was Hedwig, and I already knew she had this powerhouse voice. And I remember seeing her on Jimmy Fallon when American Idiot performed on there, and she. It was, like, one of the numbers where she was the, like, main soloist and being floored by her. So, I've been a fan of her for almost a decade now. Um, I'm very sad this production of Oklahoma did not get a lighting design nomination. It got a sound design, set design, um, orchestrations, which the orchestrations are phenomenal. They, like, add some electric guitar in there and a couple things. It's really cool, and... Damon Duano plays the guitar sometimes um, as he sings. Um, between that and then um, the direction, if it wasn't for Hades Down, Daniel Fish would win. But I, this production has like divided so many people that I don't think it's going to do that. But I think it's going to win Revival by default because there's just no passion for the Kiss Me Kate Revival. Even like the people who love Kiss Me Kate are kind of like, well... <laughs> whatever they're more fans of the previous revival and 
If I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere that Oklahoma has never won like a Best Musical or Best Revival award. So this would be its first. And my whole thing is like, I'm so happy Once on this Island won last year. One, because it deserved to, because it was extraordinary. And two, because My Fair Lady and Carousel already had their moment in the spotlight. They have already won Best Musical Awards. One this on this island was not appreciated when it came out and lost, so it was great that they could pay that production back, like the show, Once on this island, back by giving it a revival. So this would be a way of doing that, too. Um, yeah, go see Oklahoma. This was a thrill. I was just sitting there, just glued, and like, if, and if you asked me two years ago that I would be so enthused and I went to Broadway to go see a production of Oklahoma, I would have said you were crazy. Um, but this was so good. I, I want everybody to go see it. It's just so, so good. And, um, it's, it's up there with some of, one of my favorite shows I've seen this year so far. Um, between that and I just saw Hello Dolly again at the Kennedy Center with Dudley Buckley, so that has a special place in my heart. We'll see how Moulin Rouge turns out. Um, so I really love this. I'm trying to think if there was one other thing. Oh, intermission. Um, I'm not an adventurous person when it comes to eating things, but I knew that they served chili during intermission, and I was thinking about getting chili. Just so I could say that I participated. And I did not realize... What I also was thinking that they were going to do was... They were only going to serve it to the people who were sitting on the stage. But then I saw that we could go. And I was like... A few years ago, when I went to see Cats... I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and I got a drink as well. And I'm looking on the TV monitor and I see all these people on the stage. And I'm like, wait, we're allowed to go on the stage. So I sprint back to my seat and I'm like because I brought my friend Allison and I'm like Allison are we allowed on stage it's like yeah I was trying to find you and so I'm walking to go up on stage and of course they're like everybody has to go back to their seat now and I'm like I missed my one and only chance I probably will ever have to be on a Broadway stage so this time <laughs> when I saw that we could go on stage to get it I'm like I'm not fucking this up this time. So I went on stage at Circle of the Square. I looked around. I did like a live video. I don't like doing like one of, I don't know. Some of that is a little tacky to me, but I was like, this is the point of view of Circle of the Square actors. And I just like, I have to do this moment. And I was going to do it. So um, I get a little backstage tour um, of the Opera House for Hello Dolly, because um, I know somebody who is running the lights, doing light stuff in that show, and I wanted to take a picture of the Opera House, but I also didn't want to look like I was not paying attention, so, um, so I decided not to, but then I went with another friend, Ben, yesterday to show him where the door was, and then I just kind of became a tour member again, and he took a picture, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to take your photo. Um, so, I've been on two major stages so far in my life. Um, but anyways, so, they had cornbread, so I just tried the cornbread, I didn't want to try the chili. So, the cornbread is very good, um, but I also don't like eating during a show, 
So I scarfed that thing down really fast because where I was sitting, there was no good way to get to the entrance onto the stage, so I had to go up and around, and by the time I got there, the line was long, so I had to kind of scarf it down, but it was very good. Um, the third, so this was on Wednesday night, I saw that, and then Thursday night, I should also mention with Oklahoma, Patrick Vale, very, very good, very scary, but also very sympathetic in kind of the same, similar way. And then when he came up to the stage door, he has, like, this very, very, like, I don't know how to describe his voice, but it's very different to the way he played. So I was very kind of taken aback by that. And then um, and then I was kind of like, he should have been nominated. Yeah, I, I wish he got nominated for Tony because he was very good. Um, so then Thursday night I saw King Lear with Glenda, Miss Jackson, if you nasty. Um, I wanted to see this because, um, I was going to see Three Tall Women last year, and, um, I decided to get my tickets after the Tony Awards for some reason, and then, of course, all that was left were, like, tickets in the $300 range, and I'm like, I love you, Glenda Jackson, but I cannot do that at the moment. Um, uh, I only pay $300 for a ticket for Matt Butler and Hello, Dolly. Um, and so, like... Very shortly after they announced that they were going to do this, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to mess up this time, and I'm going to go see this. Also, I'm glad I saw it when I did, because they are closing tonight, or they are probably done by now. So, King Lear has already wrapped up. It's run a month early, because it kind of fizzled in the uh, box office, because it got one Tony nomination for Ruth Wilson, and I heard a lot of people who were very, kind of, either did not like this or were very mixed on it. And Shakespeare is not my, like, I wouldn't say it's not my thing, but it's not something that I, like, understand all that well in terms of the language and stuff. But I go to see productions of it, mostly more for kind of the interpretation and the acting and stuff. And I think all the actors do a very good job in this. Glenda Jackson is great. Ruth Wilson is fantastic. I loved Elizabeth Marvel, um, and I loved, um, Jane Hootie Show was great, um, Asseling O'Sullivan, A-I-S-L-I-N-G O'Sullivan, um, was very good, Pedro Pascal was good, um, um, is it Russell Harvard? I think he's the deaf actor. He was really, really, really good. And Michael Arden was his interpreter. And it's very funny because I said this at the stage where I'm like, I've only seen your directorial work. I have never seen you act before, Mark Michael Arden. So that was a very uh, new thing for me with him. And I thought he was very good. Um, people are screaming upstairs. I don't know what that's about. Um, I thought John Douglas Thompson was a little underwhelming, but, um, other than that, I thought most of the acting was really great. Um, I heard a lot of people were not interested in the, um, the Philip Glass score that he did for this production, and, um, I really liked it, though. I thought it was quite beautiful and worked. Um, and I should say that I was front row balcony. At the court theater, they need to charge those seats as obstructed view seats because the giant bar that kind of keeps you from falling off, um, not the lip of the balcony, but, like, there's a bar, like, 
so when you get up and walk, you don't fall over the balcony. That bar is so tall that I'm not that short, but it was still, like, right in the way. <laughs> so I either had to sit up the entire show, or if I slouched, I could watch, like, in a box, pretty much. And I would have to do that sometimes, because it was just so uncomfortable doing that for... And the first act of the show is two hours long. And I was starting to doze, because I got up early and went to Good Morning America. That's a whole other story, never mind, anyways. Um, and then I went to Coney Island, and then I came there. So it was a little out of it. And I really needed to get up to splash some water in my face. But I knew that if you did, you can't come back to your seat until intermission. And I'm like, I'm not doing that, because I paid good money for specifically the center balcony seat. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I was like, kind of doing this a lot, and I made it. I made it through. It was good. I, I, I like this much more than a lot of the critics did. Um, I think the acting... And with the director's choices were, I thought, were very interesting. And I really like the set design, and I really like the lighting, and I like the score, so. And the sound design was very good. Um, I don't know, I was really into this. I didn't love it, um, but the acting was very good. It was definitely, I would say it's like this, my second least favorite of the shows I saw, but... Um, I liked it more than a share show, but I didn't love this production. Um, I do think they could have found somewhere in Act 1 to break it up a little bit, because that was just a little too tiring to do two hours with no intermission. Speaking of two hours with no intermission, the Friday night show I saw was Network, which was kind of the, kind of the, um center show of my trip mostly for the reasoning of this was the week that I was going to go because that was the week that that show was closing um so that was kind of the reason I picked the week that I did to go see it um I love the movie network and I should say network was open when I went on my last New York trip but um, tickets were already very expensive for that show, and they kind of remained that way, because it was a high-demand ticket. Um, so, and then I saw that they were kept extending it, so I was going to do, just on my birthday weekend, like, just a weekend trip to just go up, because it was going to close in March, and then they announced that they were going to bump it to this week. So I was like, you know what, that works perfectly, so I can do my summer <laughs> trip a little bit earlier than the last time, so. Um, so I really love the movie, and um, Brian Cranston, I have to say, I'm not one of those Breaking Bad, like, greatest show of all time people, and his performance is the best acting of television history. I'm not one of those people. I think he's a very good actor, of course. I loved him on Malcolm in the Middle, and I pretty much liked him and everything else. I really like him in this movie called Wakefield that came out a few years ago. Um, I don't know. He's just not... I'm not like when I went to go... I only went to go see Network because of Brian Cranston. That was not my reason. Like, though, I mean, not the only reason, but I really wanted to see Glenda Jackson. And I would not have seen King Lear if it was not Glenda Jackson, but... I got the added bonus of Ruth Wilson, Elizabeth Marvel, and 
Jane Hootie show and Pedro Pascal, Michael Arden, so that was great. Um, but this was one of those shows where it was kind of an opposite where I'm like, I want to go see this because I love the source material. And I like the actors because I like Tony Goldman a lot in Scandal and Ghost and Tarzan. And I'm also kind of the same way with Tatias Maslany with Brian Cranston where I liked Orphan Black. I did not love Orphan Black, nor did I ever really understand the huge praise for her performance because people always were like, well, she made her character so different. And there were times where I'm like, I don't remember who is who. Like, I don't know. I know that'll get me shot. But um, anyways, so they're kind of the three predominant people. Brian Cranston is playing the role that... Um, Peter Finch won an Oscar for her, and he died shortly after the movie was done and before the Oscars happened. Um, it's one of the greatest film performances of all time. And then Tony Goldwyn is playing the William Holden role, and then Tatiana Maslany is playing the Faye Dunaway role, which won her an Oscar for Best Lead Actress. She, is in the support she was in the Supporting Actress category for this, but did not get nominated. Um, and I did not realize, because I don't really listen to a lot of reviews before I see the shows for some reason, even when it's Broadway, I like listening to them after, and I did not realize it was kind of a critical consensus that people did not like Tatiana's Maslany in this show, like, they actively, like, did not, like, disliked her in this, and I think she was good, I don't think she was amazing in this, um, and I don't know if it was her or the direction or just the way kind of this restaging of Network was. Um, I think that um, she did a good job. I like Tony Goldwyn more. I think he did a very good job. What I'm glad I saw, so this was directed by the director Eva Venhova, who is a kind of a hit-or-miss director when it comes to people, like, critics and stuff. People, he's very... This is one of his first kind of original, original plays to come to Broadway because he's mostly done revivals. And he did this Crucible and View from the Bridge. He won a Tony Award for the View from the Bridge revival. And then for this, he's nominated again. And I'm very, very conflicted because... So I saw his, in the West End, he did this version of All About Eve on the stage that they filmed and showed in movie theaters, and I went to see it. And he does this stuff where he has actual cameramen on stage and, like, a monitor on the big screen and stuff. And there were times in All About Eve that it worked, but then there were other times where I just found it was lazy staging, because he would have a scene that was, like, in this back corner, so he would decide to have a cameraman film it so people could watch it, and it's like, that's not what theater is. It's, you bring that set up, and you move it, and we're already, I mean, for the movie, the people watching it in a movie theater, it's like, we're watching a screen to watch another screen, that's just obnoxious. With network, it works more, and it works better, because, you know, this is a TV show. But there are scenes where, that are not the TV show, that are blocked all the way in the wing, pretty much. So many of the seats in the Belasco Theater are obstructed view seats, because they've blocked the stuff in the wings, 
because he's going to have a cameraman so he's not worried about the blocking and that I paid $103 to watch a TV screen. Um, so there's a scene, so they, like Oklahoma, there are seats on the stage. But unlike Oklahoma, there's no point for the audience members to be on the stage. They weren't distracting, but it was, it was just more like, why do we need this? It's not, they were like supposed to be part of the cafe scene, not like the audience in the studio, because there's that big famous scene where Peter Finch's character when he's hosting his own react kind of like Fox News show, that he has an audience, a live audience that he interacts with. Well, that's us, an audience, that he makes that. It's not them. So that whole choice was very dumb. But he also has, like, a bar over there that, like, the second scene takes place, and literally nobody could see that scene except for the people who were sitting on stage. So it's like, why do that? And then all of the scenes that took take place in the TV, like, studio booth where Tadeusz Maslany is calling the show is all on the other side of the stage. And from where I was sitting, I could not see any of that. So I would recommend a good seat for you if it was still open. But I wish I knew that going into it so I would have bought a ticket on the opposite side because that is the better seat in terms of seeing actual action that makes, like, any relevance to the show. Um, and also because they kind of stage Brian Cranston's big monologue scenes at the news desk on that side of the stage, where, like, you could actually view it properly. Um, so the, it was, like, 80% of the show was projected on the big screen, no matter if they were doing it as a, like, fake TV show. There's also a scene that takes place outside of the theater behind us, um, like, on the streets live that go, like, into the, like, to the, um, alleyway to go into the theater, and it's, like, this big tracking shot, and, like, that, I mean, it works, but it's also, like, was that necessary to do? I don't know. This was a very... I really like the show, mostly because of the writing. The writing still holds up so well. And I think Brian Cranston is really good in this, and he's probably going to win another Tony Award. And it's not because of the big bombastic scenes. It's kind of the more, the way he brings it a little bit more intimacy to it. The big Mattis Hell speech is not as bombastic as the Peter Finch version. There are times when he would be silent for like a good minute just trying to compose what he's going to say next. He's, like, really dissenting into the madness, which was very cool to see. And uh, I thought that was gripping. What I did not like was the four people who decided to walk out of the show during that monologue. It's like, first of all, why are you here? Second of all, this also gave me an aneurysm at the stage door that people three times my age had never seen the movie in their lives. And I'm like, what are you here for? Except to see Brian Cranston act. It's just like, you're you're annoying. Um, this is one of the one, like, commodity shows that's based off of source material that I'm, like, going to have a heart attack and people don't know about going into it. It's like, where have you been for 40 years? Uh, I haven't been here for 40 years. I don't... You should not have an excuse. Anyways, um... 
So it's just like, what did you think you were getting into, especially during the scene? It's like, and if something you don't agree with the message, like you don't walk out in the middle of the scene. The one guy walked out of the back doors, which lead right to the street. So it's like loud noises outside of the Blasco Theater and the big street lights going right onto the stage, which, I mean, to be fair, Brian Cranston entered that way in one of the scenes, which was funny. Um, and, but it's like, you don't do that. That was extremely rude and so just, it really pissed me off. Also, the guy next to me had such a loud cough. It drove me nuts. It's like, he was coughing during the big silent scenes, so it really, really pissed me off. Anyways, I really liked this. Um, the lighting was really cool. Um, the sound design was really cool. The music that they do, uh, use, um, and I think it's going to win more than just Brian Cranston. I think it's going to win either lighting or sound award or both. I can't imagine it's going to win like all of the awards it's been nominated for because it did not get a Best Play nomination. And then my last show of the trip was um, a play that I think I was the most excited about going to see, and that is Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Um, I watched the Julie Taymor version of Titus beforehand just to kind of get a little bit of knowledge because, as it, as it says, it's a sequel to Titus Andromachus, which is um, said to be Shakespeare's bloodiest play or whatever. So the, kind of the idea of the show is that it's about um, the servants who get called on to clean up the dead bodies off the street, um, which was already a great idea. And add on to the fact that Nathan Lane, and originally it was going to be Andrea Martin, but Andrea Martin, in rehearsals, broke her ribs, so they had to recast her. They bumped Christine Nielsen, who was playing the supporting role, into the lead role, and they brought in Julie White to play the supporting role. And um, I was already, I was like, still, I mean, I love Julie White. She had this great guest star called Nurse Jackie that I loved. And then she's just one of those go-to character actresses that anytime she's in something, she's just really great energy. So I was very excited, and the reviews were very mixed because it's a very polarizing show. But then when I went to see it, I was laughing so hard. I had a giant smile on my face the entire time. I just found it so hysterical. And Nathan Lane kind of has gone a little bit more dramatic this decade, which I really appreciated. He won a Tony Award for Angels of America. He was amazing in The Nance, which was from a few years ago that they filmed for Lincoln, or for PBS, um, which was really good. And then, of course, People vs. O.J., he was incredible in that. And The Good Wife, he was really good on a guest on that. So I've been really a fan. I mean, Nathan Lane's one of my favorite actors of all time. But I've been very much a fan of his dramatic turns. But... Seeing this, I just remember reminded me why Nathan Lane is one of the great char like comedic actors too, because his timing, his reactions are just so funny, and his chemistry with Christine Nielsen and Julie White are fantastic. Julie White is so f funny; she like she just kind of screams randomly throughout the show, and it's just just with her screams, it's hilarious. And then Christine Nielsen is just like a force of nature. And 
they bumped her down to featured actress like the week before the Tony nominations came out, and I was kind of surprised about that. And then she got nominated, both her and Julie White did. And then when I went to see the show, I was like, oh, she is very much the lead of the show with Nathan Lane. Like, she is on the stage the same amount of time as Nathan Lane and has her own solo moments as much as Nathan Lane does. So I had no idea why she's in supporting, but also I don't think she would have gotten nominated if she wasn't lead. So I'm happy that she did get nominated because she, both her, I mean, all three of these actors are just hilarious in the show. Um... I, and then the set is so much fun. It's just this pile of dead bodies, like dead dummies. And then I love, um, even like the surrounding set is very well detailed. But the set reminds me of this Lars von Schur movie that came out last year called The House That Jack Built. And it's about this serial killer who has like this, like one of those like kitchen, back kitchen, like ice like, walk-in fridges type thing, like those industrial ones, and he takes all of his dead bodies there, and then the titular house that Jack builds is this house he builds out of all the bodies he has killed throughout this movie, and it's really fucked up, and it's a fucked up sight when you see the house that he built, but I, when I was watching Gary, and even when I saw the first production stills, because I had no idea what to expect from this, and when Today Took's first put the tickets up and showed the show photos. Nathan Hayman has this wild hair that's like up here and he's got this like tunic and like face paint and whatever. And he's just surrounded by all these dead bodies and I'm like, what the this looks awesome. And it was. The set is so good. And for some reason people have it in fifth place in their Tony predictions. I have it winning. I mean, if not second place. Like it is not I mean, like, it has a better shot to win than, like, Network does, so, I don't know, I think it's gonna win, I mean, everybody thinks it's gonna win costumes, which I think it will, but I also think it's gonna win set. I wish Christine Nielsen was winning, and I wish Nathan Lane was nominated at the very least. Um, I'm very happy that it got a best play nomination, because I was very worried, um, after the reviews dropped that it was not going to, but I held on to it for some reason, I was like, I don't know, I'm... I'm just going to keep it in. And I I was right. I was very surprised that even George C. Wolfe got a director nomination. It got nominated for lighting and, like, both of the supporting actresses, which was awesome. Um, I would have loved a sound nomination for all the farts, the dead bodies, make farting noises, like Swiss Army Man a little bit. Um, and then... Um, yeah, I loved it. Um, it is struggling at the box office, so I would not be surprised if next week we hear a King Lear-type early closing. It's set to run till August, which I did not know. Um, so I definitely think it's going to trim its run by a month at least, the way it's been selling. I was sitting in the fourth row of the balcony of the booth theater, and um, today Tix must have bought like a whole block of tickets because, like, all these people were sitting in the back section of the balcony, and I was, like, the only person in my row. And then, like, right at 2 o'clock, they were like, everybody can move down. I'm like, oh. So I think I was ended up in the second row of the balcony at the Booth Theater, which I already knew from sitting in the balcony at the Booth Theater for the boys in the band that that is a good seat regardless. It's not like you're sitting, like, in the nosebleeds or anything. 
Um, so I had an awesome seat, and I think I, I highly recommend people to go see it. It is so much fun. It was my second favorite trip, so let me do my ranking. I thought Oklahoma, Gary, Network, King Lear, and then Share Show were my rankings. None of them were bad. No, none of them were the Madison Square Garden, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which was just such a misfire on all parts, on my end, mostly, of going to see that. Um, so no show made me uh, regret going to New York. Um and then getting a 180 Sing Torch song, which I thought was the best show of last year. Um, it is 7.30, so I can't imagine anybody is watching for Tony predictions and reasonings and stuff. So I'm just going to quickly go down the line of who I think it's going to win and maybe a spoiler. Best musical, Hades Town. Possibility Tootsie, but I don't think that's happening. Um... Best play, Ferryman, with the possibility of what the Constitution means to me. I think it's still going to be the Ferryman. I would love for Gary to win, but it's not going to. Best revival of a musical, hands down, Oklahoma, unless the pure pure Broadway classics people come out in force for Kiss Me Kate. It should go to Oklahoma. Um, best revival of a play. I'm, when in doubt, always go with the show that's still open. But... I have not heard much about All My Sons since this opened, so that is my spoiler at the moment. I'm going with the Waverly Gallery. Um, as I mentioned, I would love if the Waverly Gallery, Torch Song, or the Boys in the Band one. There seems this sudden spike for people predicting the Boys in the Band is going to win. Um, I, would not, I would predict that if it got a set design nomination like it deserved. I'm very happy that Robin T. Jesus got remembered because I've been banging that drum since last year for that to happen. Um, but I think it's going to be the Waverly Gallery because I'm guaranteed that the Waverly Gallery is going to win another award, even though that has not stopped revivals in the past from winning because Jitney went home with nothing other than revival. Once on this island last year, went home with nothing but revival, so it's not unheard of, but I'm going to go with Waverly Gallery. Um, best actor in a musical, I think is hands down Santino Fontana with the possibility of Brooks Ashmanskis, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would love for Damon Duano or Alex Brightman, but um, Santino has been working for a while, so it is his time. Um, best actress in a musical, I'm still going with Eva Nobleseda. But the consensus is Stephanie J. Block, but I'm still going to go on a whim and say even Nobozeta, a featured actor, I'm kind of going out on a whim on this one, too. I think Patrick Page is going to win. Uh, most people are predicting Andre DeShields. I think it's between both of them. Um, if it's so divided, I think Andy whatever from Tootsie could pull an aerial satchel and just come out of nowhere and win. Um, but I think it's between the two Hades Town guys. I'm going with the titular Hades, Patrick Page, but most people are going with Andre DeShields. Um, featured actress, I'm going with Ali Stroker. Many people think Amber Gray is going to win. I think it's a deadlock between those two as well. And I would love for Ali to win. Um, Mary Testa is also very good. Um, best director of a musical is going to be Hades Town. I would love for Daniel Fish to win for Oklahoma. But between the um, the love for Natasha Pierre 
rolled into Hades Down. I think Rachel Chapkin is going to win this. Um, best actor in a play, I think it's going to be Brian Cranston. Jeff Daniels is a possible spoiler for To Kill a Mockingbird because I feel like many people thought that was snubbed. And um, I really wanted Jeff Daniels to win for Blackbeard. Or Blackbeard. There's a musical version of Blackbeard that's going to be at Signature Theater, so that's on my mind. Blackbird, I wish he won for that a few years ago, um, but he could very well win for this, but I think it's going to be Brian Cranston. Um, and I would say I would love it if it was Nathan Lane or Michael Yeri, but neither of them are nominated, so Brian Cranston wins in default for me, um, even though it's not a default. He's very good and deserves to win. Best Actress in a Play should and will win is, um, Merce I was about to say Mercedes Rule, um, I was about to say Glenda Jackson, Elaine May, um, should win and will win, um, if anybody beats her, I think it'll be either Annette Benning or Heidi Schreck, but never count out Laurie Metcalf like I did last year, um, I wish Christine Nielsen was up here, because I would also say she should win if she was up here, um, best featured actor in a play, I think will be Bertie Carvel, with the possibility of Gideon Glick. Um, I would love for Robin De Jesus to win. Uh, and I hear a lot of people are now are kind of mumbling about Benjamin Walker being a major threat. Um, the only person I don't think has much of a chance is Brandon Uranowitz, because I just don't think Burn This has that much passion. Um, and so I'm going to go... I think it's going to be Bertie, Bertie Carvel, but I would not be surprised if Robin, Gideon, or... Benjamin won. Um, best Featured Actress in a Play will win is Celia Kenyon-Bolger. It's about time. She's beloved, and many people think she should have won before. Um, if anybody beats her, I think it's Fiona Flanagan, because they want to give the Ferryman an acting award, and she is the only person still in that show that is nominated. Um, I would love for Christine Nielsen to win, or Julie White to win, or Ruth Wilson. I think Ruth Wilson was fantastic, more as the fool in King Lear, but I think it's going to be Celia in a walk. Um, best director of a play, I think, will be Sam Mendes for The Ferryman. Um, I would personally love George C. Wolfe to win for Gary, but that's not going to happen. Um, I think Bartlett Shear and Eva Van Hove are, are also spoilers. Um, best, best, muse, best score, um, I think, will win is Hadestown. And I have not even seen Harry, Hadestown. I've only heard, like, three songs from Hadestown, and I think it should win. Um, Beetlejuice, the music is great, but it's not anywhere near as great as um, Hadestown. Um, best book of a musical. I'm still going with Hadestown, though many are saying it's going to be Tootsie, but I think people have fallen in this trap many times in the past few years with Mean Girls, with Come From Away and from um, um, Fun to Home only winning book while An American in Paris won score, vice versa, that people thought would be a split, too. I don't know if that was a split, now that I think about it. I think they won both. I don't know. I, I would have to go back and check on that one. But every year, somebody says, like, it's going to be a split, and it just never ends up being a split. So this could be the year, but I'm still saying Hades Down. Um, and um, Beetlejuice, as I mentioned on a couple podcasts before this, um, when it was in D.C., the book was not strong, 
Um, so I would not personally go for it, but I heard that they did work on the book, so like Mean Girls, I can't really mention much about that. Um, and then quickly through the text, best set design of a musical, I think will be Beetlejuice and should win, because that said, as I, when I walked out of DC, uh, the National Theater, when I saw it, I was like, just make the Tony Award for them already. Um, if anything beats it, it'll be Hadestown. Um, best set design of a play, I think will win Gary, should win Gary. Um, it very well could be Ink, or it could be, um, To Kill a Mockingbird could win. Um, I wish The Boys of the Band was nominated, because I would have also voted for that to win, but it isn't. Um, best set, um, costumes of a musical, um, I have The Share Show. Many people are predicting the share show. If anything beats it, I think it'll be Hades Town. Um, and then best costume design in a play, I think will be Gary. If anything beats it, the I guess the Ferryman or Bernhardt Hamlet in a surprise. Um, best lighting design of a musical, I'm going with Beetlejuice. Though everybody says it's going to be Hades Town. Um, Oh, my spoiler for musical set also, watch out for King Kong, because I guess the puppet is also included with that. But, um, <coughs> lighting design, I think it will be Beetlejuice. It could be Hadestown, it probably will, but I wish Oklahoma was nominated. Best uh, lighting design for a play, I think, will be Network, uh, with the possibility of the Ferryman um, beating it. Um, and then best sound design for a musical. I'm going with Oklahoma, but I would watch out for King Kong and for Hades Town. Um, for sound design of a play, I'm going with Network. I would watch out for the Ferryman. Um, and Choir Boy as a possibility as well. Um, and then best choreography will be Kiss Me Kate with the possibility of Ain't Too Proud or Hades Town. Um. And then best orchestrations. I'm going with Oklahoma. I think they deserve to win. Hades Town very well could win too. Um, and I think that's all the categories. Did I get everything? I think so. So the show starts in about uh, 22 minutes. So I'm going to post this. Uh, I usually do like a little like kind of in the memory of type situation with the different. Um, past Tony's performances that I love, but um, just thinking about last year, we had some very good ones last year. The uh, Once on the Silent performance was amazing of Mama Will Provide. Um, the With the goat, <laughs> the goat was there. Um, Katrina Link singing Omar Sharif, even though she did not hit that high note, um, it was still a very good performance. Um, the SpongeBob performance was amazing with um, Gavin Lee doing I'm Not a Loser. Um, the Donna Summer performance was very good of Last Dance. And then um, I'm trying to think what else was I guess those were the four big memorable ones. Um, I think the Hades Town one will be very good this year. Um, I'm hoping they do Way Down in Hades Town because that's kind of the big ensemble, like involves most of the people. Um, if they don't do like a mashup, I would also love if they did the Wait for Me reprise, which was it's just very good too. Um, Oklahoma, I don't know if they're going to do the titular number or kind of a mass mashup. 
Um, they might do, people may say we're in love, or they might do, um, oh, what a beautiful morning. Um, I think they might do just Oklahoma, which, I mean, involves the entire cast. Who knows? Um, the Cher show, they're probably going to do um, the, either the finale number, where all three, three of them get, get their moment, or they'll do... Um, if I could turn back time, or probably a mashup or something of that, um, the prom will probably have a very fun number, and then Tootsie, I don't know what they're gonna do, um, because I don't really know that show that much. Beetlejuice, they'll probably do, well, they did the opening number of the Today Show, they'll probably do, um, that sound song that's, like, the Act 2 opener, either that or, um, no, they might do the opening number. I don't know. It's one or the other. And then Anti-Prouts, I don't know, My Girl. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know why that show is nominated. Um, and then Kiss Me Kate will probably do Too Darn Hot because that's like the big choreogra choreography number. Um, Choir Boys performing as well. I don't know. For some reason, Be More Chill is not getting a slot, which tells me that they're going to announce that they're closing soon. Um, King Kong, I, I mean, they're probably going to close soon, too, so, um, they also probably cannot get the monkey into Radio City Music Hall, um, and then I also, Pretty Woman, I mean, was pre I mean, Pretty, Pretty Woman, more like Pretty Ignored, um, I don't know, they're kind of hanging in there, so... Of the shows that are in the season, I mean, getting the band back together and head over heels are long gone. So, um, yeah, other than that, I think that's all I have to say. Um, go see Oklahoma. Go see Gary. I mean, I would recommend you go see Gary to before it closes. Who, I mean, which could be any day now. So please go see that show before it closes. But then also see Oklahoma. They are going till January, and they probably will not end early because they're playing to packed houses. Um, you can't see Network. You can't see the King Lear anymore. Um, see the Share Show if you want to. You don't have to. Um, other than that, enjoy the Tony Awards. Um, I don't see myself doing this in the near future. I just wanted to get this out there, even though it's very last minute. I'm very low production. Um, and also, I'm an ugly person, and I don't look looking at my face while doing this. Um, and, yeah, I will be posting my, um, my 2018-19 to 19 theater awards on July 1st, somewhere around then. Um, I'm seeing falsettos next week, and then I may see Rip Cord at the Keegan Theater as a last-minute thing, so, um, I will be posting that soon, so my winners will be announced soon. You could probably guess from a, this video what they're going to be, so, until then, you're doing fine, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, O-K-H-A-L-M-O-A, -O -A. Oklahoma. Yeah. And the bumper music is Oh What a Beautiful Morning from Oklahoma, written by Rogers and Hammerstein and performed by Damon Duana. And I Got You Babe, um, written by Sonny and Cher, performed by um, 
Can't climb. 